Chapter Six of Ormond by Maria Edgeworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. One morning, when Harry Ormond was out shooting, and King Corney, who had recovered tolerably from the gout, was reinstated in his armchair in the parlour, listening to Father Joss reading the Dublin Evening Post, a gossoon, one of the runners of the castle, opened the door, and putting in his curly red head and bare feet, announced, in all haste, that he just seen Sir Ulic O'Shane in the boat crossing the lake for the Black Islands. "'Well, breathless blockhead, and what of that?' said king corney did you never see a man in a boat before i did please your honour then what is there extraordinary nothing at all please your honour only thought your honour might like to know then you thought wrong for i neither like it nor mislike it i don't care a rush about the matter so take yourself downstairs tis a long time said the priest as the gossoon closed the door after him tis a longer time than he ought since sir ulic o'shane paid his respects here even in the shape of a morning visit morning visit repeated mrs betty dunshockland the housekeeper who entered the room for she was a privileged person and had les grandes et les petites entrées in this palace morning visit are you sure father joss are you clear he isn't come intendin to stay dinner what in the devil's name betty does it signify said the king about the dinner what about it said corney proudly whether he comes stays or goes i'll not have a scrap or an iota of it changed added he in a despotic tone <sighs> said betty one would not like to have a dinner of scraps for there's nothing else to-day for him then if there is nothing else there can be nothing else said the priest very philosophically but when strangers come to dine one would make a bit of exertion if one could said betty it's his own fault to be a stranger said father joss watching his majesty's clouding countenance then whispering to betty that was a faulty string you touched upon mrs betty and can't you make out your dinner without saying anything a person may speak in this house i suppose besides the clergy father joss said mrs betty under her breath then looking out of the window she added he's halfway over the lake and he'll make his own apologies good i'll engage when he comes in for he knows how to speak for himself as well as any gentleman and i don't doubt but he'll get my mickey made an exciseman as he promised to and sure he has a good right isn't he a cousin of king corney's wherefore i'd wish to have all things proper so i'll step out and kill a couple of chickens won't i kill what you please said king corney but without my warrant nothing killed or unkilled shall come up to my table this day and that's enough no more reasoning quit the subject and the room betty betty quitted the room but every stair as she descended to the kitchen could bear witness that she did not quit the subject and for an hour afterwards she reasoned against the obstinacy and folly of man and the chorus in the kitchen moralized in conformity and commiseration in vain meantime father joss though he regretted the exertions which mrs betty might discreetly have made in favour of a good dinner was by no means as he declared a friend or fauteur of sir ulic o'shane 
how could he when sir ulic had recanted the priest looked with horror upon the apostasy the king with contempt upon the desertion of his party was he sincere anyway i'd honour him said cornelius or forgive him but not to be ripping up old grievances when there's no occasion can't forgive the way he is at this present double dealing with poor harry ormond cajoling the grateful heart and shirking the orphan boy that he took upon him to patronize why there i thought nobly of him and forgave him all his sins for the generous protection he afforded the son of his friend had captain ormond the father no fortune asked the priest only a trifle of three hundred a year and no provision for the education or maintenance of the boy ulick's fondness for him more than all showed him capable of the disinterested touch but then to belie his own heart to abandon him he bred a favourite just when the boy wants him most oh how could he and all for what to please the wife he hates that can't be that's only the ostensible but what the real reason is i can't guess no matter he'll soon tell us tell us oh no said the priest he'll keep his own secret he'll let it out i engage trying to hide it said corney like all cunning people he woodcocks hides his head and forgets his body can be seen but hark he is coming up tommy said he turning to a little boy of five years old sheila's grandchild who was playing about in the room hand me that whistle you're whistling with till i see what's the matter with it for you king corney seemed lost in examination of the whistle when sir ulic entered the room and after receiving and seating him with proud courtesy he again returned to the charge blowing through the whistle earnestly dividing his observation between sir ulic and little tommy and asking questions by turns about the whistle and about all at castle hermitage where's my boy where's harry ormond was the first leading question sir ulic asked harry ormond's out shooting i believe somewhere or somehow taking his pleasure as i hope he will long and always as long as he likes it at the black islands at least as long as i live sir ulic branched off into hopes of his cousin cornelius's living long very long and in general terms that were intended to avoid committing himself or pinning himself to anything he protested that he must not be robbed of his boy that he had always with good reason been jealous of harry's affection for king corney and that he could not consent to let his term of stay at the black islands be either as long as harry himself should like or during what he hoped would be the life of his cousin cornelius o'shane there's something wrong still in this whistle why if you loved him so did you let him go when you had him said corney he thought it necessary for domestic reasons replied sir ulic continental policy that is what i never understood nor never shall said corney but i don't inquire any farther if you are satisfied with yourself we are all satisfied i believe 
pardon me i cannot be satisfied without seeing harry this morning for i've a little business with him will you have the goodness to send for him father joss who from the window saw harry's dog snuffing along the path to the wood thought he could not be far from the house and went to make inquiries and now when sir ulic and king corney were left alone together a dialogue a sort of single combat without any object but to try each other's powers and temper ensued between them in which the one on the offensive came on with a tomahawk and the other stood on the defensive parrying with a polished blade of damascus and sometimes when the adversary was off his guard making a sly cut at an exposed part what are you so busy about said sir ulic mending the child's toy said cornelius a man must be doing something in this world but a man of your ingenuity tis a pity it should be wasted as i have often said upon mere toys toys of one sort or other we are all taken up with through life from the cradle to the grave by the by i give you joy of your baronetage i hope they did not make you pay now too much in conscience for that poor tag of nobility these things are not always matters of bargain and sale mine was quite an unsolicited honour a mark of approbation and acceptance of my poor services and as such gratifying as to the rest believe me it was not if i must use so coarse an expression paid for not paid for what then it's owing for to be paid for still well that's too hard after all you've done for them but some men have no manner of conscience at least i hope you paid the fees the fees of course but we shall never understand one another said sir ulic now what will be the next title or string you look forward to ulysses may i ask is it to be baron castle hermitage or to get a riband or a garter or a thistle or what a thistle what asses some men are what savages some men are thought sir ulic he walked to the window and looking out hoped that harry ormond would soon make his appearance you are doing or undoing a great deal here cousin cornelius i see as usual yes but what i am doing stand or fall will never be my undoing i am no speculator how do your silver mines go on sir ulic i hear all the silver mines in ireland turn out to be lead i wish they did said sir ulic for then we could turn all our lead to gold those silver mines certainly did not pay i've a notion you found the same with your reclaimed bog here cousin cornelius i understand that after a short time it relapses and is worse than ever like most things pretending to be reclaimed speak for yourself there sir ulic said cornelius you ought to know certainly for some thirty years ago i think you pretended to be a reclaimed rake i don't remember it said sir ulic 
i do and so would poor emmy annalee if she was alive which it's fortunate for her she is not broken-hearted angel if ever there was one by wedlock and the only one of the annalees i ever liked said cornelius to himself in a low leisurely voice of soliloquy then resuming his conversation tone and continuing his speech to sir ulic i say you pretended thirty years ago i remember to be a reformed rake and looked mighty smooth and plausible and promised fair that the improvement was solid and was to last for ever and a day but six months after marriage comes a relapse and the reclaimed rakes worse than ever well to be sure that's in favour of your opinion against all things pretending to be reclaimed but see my poor bog without promising so well performs better for it's six years instead of six months that i've seen no tendency to relapse see the cattle upon it speak for themselves an honest calf won't lie for any man i give you joy of the success of your improvements i admire too your ploughing team and ploughing tackle said sir ulic with an ironical smile you don't go into any indiscreet expense for farming implements or prize cattle no said cornelius i don't prize the prize cattle the best prize a man can get and the only one worth having is that which he must give himself or not get and of which he is the best judge at all seasons what prize may i ask you may ask and i'll answer the prize of success and success to myself i have it and succeeding in all your ends by such noble means must be doubly gratifying and is doubly commendable and surprising said sir ulic may i ask for it's my turn now to play ignoramus may i ask what noble means excites this gratuitous commendation and surprise i commend in the first place the economy of your ploughing tackle hay ropes hay traces and hay halters doubly useful and convenient for harness and food corney replied some people i know think the most expensive harness and tackle and the most expensive ways of doing everything the best but i don't know if that is the way for the poor to grow rich it may be the way for the rich to grow poor we are all poor people in the black islands and i can't afford or think it good policy to give the example of extravagant new ways of doing old things tis a pity you don't continue the old irish style of ploughing by the tail said sir ulic that is against humanity to brute beasts which without any sickening palaver of sentiment i practice also it's against an act of parliament which i regard sometimes that is when i understand them which the way you parliament gentlemen draw them up is not always particularly intelligible to plain common sense and i have no lawyers here thank heaven to consult i am forced to be legislator and lawyer and ploughman and all you see the best i can for myself he opened the window and called to give some orders to the man or as he called him the boy 
a boy of sixty who was ploughing your team i see is worthy of your tackle pursued sir ulic a mule a bull and two lean horses i pity the foremost poor devil of a horse who must starve in the midst of plenty while the horse bull and even mule in a string behind him are all plucking and munging away at their hay ropes cornelius joined in sir ulic's laugh which shortened its duration tis comical ploughing i grant said he but still to my fancy anything's better and more profitable nor the tragicomic ploughing you practise every season in dublin i said sir ulic ay you and all your courtiers ploughing the half acre footnote ploughing the half acre the english reader will please to inquire the meaning of this phrase from any irish courtier continually pacing up and down that castle yard while you're waiting in attendance there every one to his taste but if there's a man on earth i hate attendance and dependence be his fate after all i have very good prospects in life said sir ulic ay you've been always living on prospects for my part i'd rather have a molehill in possession than a mountain in prospect cornelius what are you doing here to the roof of your house said sir ulic striking off to another subject what a vast deal of work you do contrive to cut out for yourself i'd rather cut it out for myself than have anybody to cut it out for me said cornelius upon my word this will require all your extraordinary ingenuity cousin oh i'll engage i'll make a good job of it in my sense of the word though not in yours for i know in your vocabulary that's only a good job where you pocket money and do nothing now my good jobs never bring me in a farthing and give me a great deal to do into the bargain i don't envy you such jobs indeed said sir ulic and are you sure that at last you make them good jobs in any acceptation of the term sure a man's never sure of anything in this world but of being abused but one comfort my own conscience for which i've a trifling respect can't reproach me since my jobs good or bad have cost my poor country nothing on this point sir ulic was particularly sore for he had the character of being one of the greatest jobbers in ireland with a face of much political prudery which he well knew how to assume he began to exculpate himself he confessed that much public money had passed through his hands but he protested that none of it had stayed with him no man who had done so much for different administrations had been so ill paid why the deuce do you work for them then you won't tell me it's for love have you got any character by it if you haven't profit what have you i would not let them make me a dupe or maybe something worse if i was you said cornelius looking him full in the face savage said sir ulic again to himself 
the tomahawk was too much for him sir ulic felt that it was fearful odds to stand fencing according to rule with one who would not scruple to gouge or scalp if provoked sir ulic now stood silent smiling forced smiles and looking on while cornelius played quite at his ease with little tommy blew shrill blasts through the whistle and boasted that he had made a good job of that whistle anyway harry ormond to sir ulic's great relief now appeared sir ulic advanced to meet him with an air of cordial friendship which brought the honest flush of pleasure and gratitude into the young man's face who darted a quick look at cornelius as much as to say you see you were wrong he is glad to see me he is come to see me cornelius said nothing but stroked the child's head and seemed taken up entirely with him sir ulic spoke of lady o'shane and of his hopes that prepossessions were wearing off if miss black were out of the way things would all go right but she is one of the mighty good too good ladies who are always meddling with other people's business and making mischief harry who hated her that is as much as he could hate anybody railed at her vehemently saying more against her than he thought and concluded by joining in sir ulic's wish for her departure from castle hermitage but not with any view to his own return thither on that point he was quite resolute and steady he would never he said be the cause of mischief lady o'shane did not like him why he did not know and had no right to inquire and was too proud to inquire if he had a right it was enough that her ladyship had proved to him her dislike and refused him protection at his utmost need he should never again sue for her hospitality he declared that sir ulic should no more be disquieted by his being an inmate at castle hermitage sir ulic became more warm and eloquent in dissuading him from this resolution the more he perceived that ormond was positively fixed in his determination the cool looker-on all the time remarked this and cornelius was convinced that he had from the first been right in his own opinion that sir ulic was shirking the boy and where's marcus sir would not he come with you to see us said ormond marcus is gone off to england he bid me give you his kindest love he was hurried and regretted he could not come to take leave of you but he was obliged to go off with the annelies to escort her ladyship to england where he will remain this year i dare say i am much concerned to say that poor lady annelie and miss annelie sir ulic cleared his throat and gave a suspicious look at ormond this glance at harry the moment sir ulic pronounced the words miss annalee first directed aright the attention of cornelius lady annalee and miss annalee are they ill what's the matter for heaven's sake exclaimed harry with great anxiety but pronouncing both the ladies names precisely in the same tone and with the same freedom of expression sir ulic took breath 
neither of the ladies are ill absolutely ill but they have both been greatly shocked by accounts of young annalee's sudden illness it is feared an inflammation upon his lungs brought on by violent cold his mother and sister left us this morning set off for england to him immediately lady annalee thought of you harry my boy you must be a prodigious favourite in the midst of all her affliction and the hurry of this sudden departure this morning she gave me a letter for you which i determined to deliver with my own hands while he spoke sir ulic affecting to search for the letter among many in his pocket studied with careless intermitting glances our young hero's countenance and cornelius o'shane studied sir ulic's harry tore open the letter eagerly and coloured a good deal when he saw the inside i have no business here reading that boy's secrets in his face cried cornelius o'shane raising himself on his crutches i'll step out and look at my roof will you come sir ulic and see how the job goes on his crutch slipped as he stepped across the hearth harry ran to him oh sir what are you doing you are not able to walk yet without me why are you going secrets did you say the words recurred to his ear i've no secrets there's no secrets in this letter it's only the reason i looked foolish was that here's a list of my own faults which i made like a fool and dropped like a fool but they could not have fallen into better or kinder hands than lady annalee's he offered the letter and its enclosure to cornelius and sir ulic cornelius drew back i don't want to see the list of your faults man said he do you think i haven't them all by heart already and as to the lady's letter while you live never show a lady's letter sir ulic without ceremony took the letter and in a moment satisfying his curiosity that it was merely a friendly note returned it and the list of his faults to harry saying if it had been a young lady's letter i am sure you would not have shown it to me harry nor of course would i have looked at it but i presumed that a letter from old lady annalee could only be what i see it is very edifying old lady annalee is it cried cornelius oh then there's no indiscretion young man in the case you might as well scruple about your mother's letter if you had one or your mother's-in-law which to be sure you'll have i hope in due course of nature at the sound of the words mother-in-law a cloud passed over sir ulic's brow not unnoticed by the shrewd cornelius but the cloud passed away quickly after sir ulic had darted another reconnoitering glance on harry's open unconscious countenance all safe said sir ulic to himself as he took leave woodcocked that he has as i foresaw he would cried king corney the moment his guest had departed woodcocked if ever man did by all that's cunning End of chapter six